This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 179 of Horsemanship Radio, brought to you by Hands On Gloves. All-in-one shedding, bathing, grooming gloves. Horsemanship Radio is a part of the family of the Horse Radio Network. And today I have a couple of my favorite people on. This is Debbie Laux, and you're listening to the Horsemanship Radio. Thanks for joining us. Horsemanship Radio airs on the 1st and the 15th of the month, and I have my producer, Jen, with me today. Hi, Jen. Greetings. It's shedding season. (laughs) It is shedding season. Oh, my gosh. Do you have hairy lips or anything? Do you get Yeah, yeah, don't put chapstick on before you groom your horse this time of year. Do not. (laughs) It's a bad idea. I know, I know, no, it is. But you know what's fun is we have our OTTB adoption horses out here are part of our transition horse program, and um, they're they're all woolly because we don't want to put them in stalls or even in catch pens. They're out on the pastures, and it's funny to see fluffy thoroughbreds. <laughs> and they're probably going, "Oh, this is a new experience. I haven't done this in a while." <laughs> they are, they are. But you know what? They're horses, and they love it. They love it. So we're going to be talking a little bit about OTTBs today, which is fun because our transition horse program isn't just for OTTBs. I don't want anybody to get the impression, but I do have a soft spot for for the race industry and getting those horses back in circulation. And so we are going to interview a couple of gals that are doing a jam up job with OTTBs and they're in the Los Angeles area. So they're close to us. And then, um, of course, we still need to get them all in shape and everything, even if they're out in the pasture. So we're going to talk to Juliet Getty about equine nutrition, improving those top lines on younger and older horses. Because some of our transition horses, yes, it is. It's perfect because here we are coming into training season and we're getting them up from the pastures and working every day and ridden. So we're going to hear from her about how we keep them healthy. And we're going to hear from both of those. Right after we hear from the folks at Hands on Gloves, because like I said, it's shedding season. Shedding season. Well, I'm sitting here today with Jay Michelson of Hands on Gloves. And we were talking today about the horse that has sensitive skin or the animal that has sensitive skin, Jay. And I, I wanted you to help me address that a little bit. I know you've got some features to your products, but I know you know more about it than I do. So what do you do? What do you say to the, the owner that has somebody with sensitive skin? Our gloves are made from surgical grade nitrile. So that makes them chemical resistant, mildew resistant, because you can bathe with them too. They're made to get wet. Um, but across the board, there's no latex in them. So it's great for any animal, any people that have latex issues. There's no latex in it. They're just your hands. And if you have a thin skin horse or dog, they're, they're cats, other animals. There are many animals that don't like to be touched in certain areas. But having the gloves on, it's just your hands. You get immediate feedback if you get to an area of that animal that is sensitive. And you can apply less pressure in those areas, and you can apply more pressure in the other areas. Um, We have professional grooms that work from us. Um, They groom for Olympians across the board, and these guys are phenomenal. And they did a study on mainly thoroughbreds, thin-skinned thoroughbreds, Mm -hmm. and they found out that most people 
are grooming too light. <laughs> oh, interesting. And they're tickling the, the horses. And went in and applied just a little more pressure, and the horses loved it. Uh-huh. And that's kind of some of our experience with it. We, we have all kinds of animals and experience with that. I think you can throw these in the wash machine. Am I right? You can. Next time you bathe your animals with them, use the gloves. A little bit of soap suds up all the way. And what we do after we bathe our animals with them, we rinse them off, hang them out to dry, and they go back to new. Um, you can throw them in the washing machine. Um, just don't put them in the dryer. And, okay. And um, just throw them in the washing machine hang them out to dry, and they go back to new. Well, Jay, how do people find out about you? Handsongloves.com. CJ Marinaccio is founder and trainer at Win Place Home, a nonprofit in Southern California. CJ started riding horses when she was but four and grew up riding three-day eventers. Eventually, the racetrack called to her. She worked three years as an assistant trainer in Northern California before returning to Los Angeles as an assistant trainer and vet tech at the Santa Anita Racetrack. Elizabeth Hauer, our second guest, describes herself as a writer, actor, comedian, and clown. She actually studied in France with legendary clown Philippe Gallier, as well as many others. She's also a writer who says that she is centered on the moments, on the details, on the life that happens on the way to the big events. She volunteers her time at the Adoption Center for Horses called When Place Home. Her general philosophy on life is, and I quote, if it scares you, it's calling you. Well, welcome. We've got CJ Marnaccio and we've got Elizabeth Howard on here. I'll start with you, CJ. How's it going in Southern California today? It is beautiful here today. Thank you so much, Debbie, for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity to be on your podcast. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. Being the founder and trainer of Win Place Home is a huge responsibility and we've talked a little bit about you to to introduce you, but I thought, you know, rather than go into the horsey background, which I usually start with, I'd like to hear a little bit about the very first horse that you brought onto the property, brought into your charity named Thorin. Yes, Thorin was donated by a trainer from Santa Anita. He um, was retired from racing because he had a small fracture in his knee. So when he came to me, he had to heal a little bit from that fracture, and I gave him the time. I rehabbed him, and he went on to become a great jumper, Mm -hmm. and he spent um, a little over a year with me before I found him the perfect home, which was a 15-year-old girl who still has him, and they're jumping all over the place in Southern California, Mm -hmm. and yes, he's a super special horse, and he's out of... Um, he was out of Midnight Loot, who I actually got to watch at the Breeders' Cup at Santa Anita and is one of my very favorite racehorses to watch. I just love Midnight Loot. So it was a pretty special first horse to get a little baby of Midnight Loot. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you must have. I just got chills, you know, I but I do that. But you must have so much fun knowing so much about the, the history of these horses and the breed. And you're right there near Santa Anita Racetrack or about as close as you can want to be. And um, you've got this beautiful place called Win Place Home. And you have lovely people helping you, too, like Elizabeth Hauer, who we have on the phone as well. And, Elizabeth, I understand you're a volunteer there. Mm-hmm. And you have helped CJ in what way there? 
Uh, basically, whatever whatever she needs. Um, when I, I first connected with CJ, because I had my my two off the track thoroughbreds there as um, boarders, I had them there. And then uh, when I really witnessed the kind of horseman that uh, CJ was, I thought, wow, this woman could teach me a lot. And when mm-hmm. I grow up, I want to be more like her. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I'm already a dog, really? we're actually not that far apart in age. <laughs> um, but uh, so I essentially just approached her and I said, "What? Tell me what I can do to help because I I, I want to be more like you, and I know you could really take me somewhere um, in my equine career and, and just learning as much as I can." I love that. And so you you actually are pursuing an equine career, as I understand it. Yes, I mean I I you know my equine career whether it's, it stays amateur or or goes professional um but as uh as I've said to you um uh off the record so far just because we haven't been recorded um now that I'm doing this internship here with Monty Roberts I am um absolutely pursuing the full certification so that I can be um you know stamped and official Monty Roberts certified trainer. DJ um the the fun thing about our relationship, we've got a partnership going with these horses going back and forth, is that you're all OTTB and we are such a, you know, steeped in the racing industry here and you're so close that we've been able to swap people back and forth. So Elizabeth came here uh, to intern in the Monty Roberts Mustang and Transition Horse Program and now we've actually we just think you have such a great program down there that we wanted to send people your way. Uh, we think they're good volunteers and I know you're whip them into shape too. And that's May and James and um, maybe others that I don't know about. Is that right? Yes, Aaron we have. Well. Um, mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, yes, we have May and Aaron are, are already started volunteering here and May it's been amazing. She's been here three days a week and I've had her just work on horses alone. I've sat there and watched. We've talked about it. And the great thing about May is that I can learn so much from her. And then just the other day, I got on a horse in front of her. And then I had the opportunity to show her sort of how I introduce myself brand new to a new horse. And so as she was watching, I was able to show her how I talked to them. And I said, we're doing the same principles. We have the same same sort of stuff going on between us. It's just I'm on her back and you're on the ground. And so May was really, you know, soaking it all in. And she even came up to me afterwards and thanked me. And I said, no, May, this is a joint mutual, you know, relationship. And I really thank you for the time that you're putting into these horses and what I can learn from that. And I'm happy to give back as much as I can. And I know. Oh, I can't think of a better partnership, but really, you guys, it's it's really been fun. And I forgot to mention Aaron Burkett. Thank you, Elizabeth. So, Elizabeth, tell us a little bit now. I know that you're a writer. You've written, right? Mm-hmm. You don't have much in your bio about that. Tell us a little bit about your horsey background. Uh, well, I've been riding since I was 10, which was the earliest my parents would let me start. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it took me a few years to convince them. And, um, and then I yeah, was pretty serious about it all through middle school and high school and into the beginning of college, um, show jumping. And, uh, and I had a, um, basically always had off-the-track thoroughbreds. I've had a deep, deep love for them for a long time. And my heart horse, as I say, um, was, uh, was definitely a rescue. He was, he was pretty in, in pretty poor shape when we found him. And um, and he really taught me uh, really all about love and the importance of uh, relationship um, and how paramount that is before we ask them to do all these things in a show ring that we want them to do. 
And so I think when, as I started learning more about Monty Roberts, it just, it really resonated because I had been, you know, I experienced that um, with this horse whose name was Jack. Um, and so then, you know, when he passed, I had moved to California. He'd been very happily retired in a big, gorgeous field in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, maybe, maybe that was it. Maybe that was my, that was my horse career. And that was what I was going to do. And, um, then the woman who ran that barn, uh, where he, where he was retired called me up and she said, well, I think I found something for you. And I said, oh, thanks. I'm not looking, but tell me about him anyway, which is dangerous. <laughs> dangerous. Yeah. Uh, and now <laughs> four years later, I have, um, him and I also have his half brother. Oh. Um, so it was really fun to sort of keep it in the family. And, um, I really like their mother a lot. They share the same mother. And, um, and they've just led me the most beautiful places like to, um, to win place home in CJ. Mm, that's fantastic. Well, I've been watching you around and you have become a, a wonderful intern. You actually spoiled us for interns, I think, because this comes from a pilot program that we took a couple of years to, to think up, but we did launch it in October of 2020. And it, we launched it live on Horse and Country TV, uh, live streaming, uh, five days, uh, just one horse after another, introducing this these horses to dad and that's Monty Roberts and it was not just OTTBs not just thoroughbreds but a kind of a variety pack of horses and I've watched you not only handle the horses really well but I have to say you're handling the people really well too and we were in a classroom of, of uh, I don't know five students or something the other day and dad asked y'all the question specifically you Elizabeth I know uh who here wants to maybe be in the equine world at professional level level? And I don't think he said maybe. I mean, I think he said who wants to be at a world class yeah. level? And Elizabeth come right like immediately raised her hand and said, I do, which I thought was bold and perfect, but it kind of fits you, your quote that you said, if it scares you, it's calling you. And I believe you. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so where where does your 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 spidey point you right now. Where do you think that's going? Well, it'll be really interesting. I mean, in the in the immediate, it will go right back to Win Place Home, um, so that we can help more horses. You know, I think what we've learned here will help us um, uh, train the horses, uh, uh, or, or be, be help them transition a lot more quickly from their life on the track to their life off the track, and connect with connect them with their forever homes which is really exciting to me. And then beyond that, you know, once I am um, certified, then it will be really exciting to go uh, potentially start racehorses or help people with their babies at Santa Anita. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, CJ, of course, has a lot of racing connections as well from her history. Um, and then beyond that, um, with my two personal horses, um, I would love to start showing them again mm-hmm. um, at, you know, in, in, in Hunters and Jumpers in Southern California. Um, that is a dream of mine to show, uh, because I have such an affinity for off the track thoroughbreds, I'd love to show people what they can really do. I think sometimes we can, you know, people often look to warm bloods and imports and there's not that there's anything wrong with that, but I feel like we've got so many wonderful opportunities and, uh, and athletes right here in front of us. So true. So it must be so proud making for you, CJ, to watch Elizabeth and all these other people that have helped you, as well as the horses, come along on Win Place Home. What what what's your next step? What are you looking to grow into? We're actually have some pretty big next steps coming up. We 
have just been growing exponentially and it's just been an amazing last couple of years for us. And this year we even want to go further and we're actually looking right now to um, purchase the ranch that we're on for the charity to help grow and make it more sustainable. That's really our next big step is to get this charity so that it's sustainable and so that it can, it can survive without me. And um, you know, it's not, I'm not the linchpin in the, in the whole charity. Mm -hmm. So this year is really what that's about. And so not only being able to um, get the, this ranch for the charity so that these thoroughbreds will always have a home here, but we're also looking to increase our board members and our board size so that they can play a really integral role in helping with these horses' futures and making decisions on their you know, on their lives and just helping in any way that they can is really, is really the next step for us. That is so important. I'm so glad you said that out loud because sustainability and then leadership are probably the two most difficult things. We can, we can take the care of those horses all day long, but, but really getting an organization to, um, really solidify a uh, nonprofit as as they are. In Southern California, there's a lot of nonprofits. So there's a lot of competition, I imagine, for, for funding, grant writing, all those things, right? Yes, yes, there are quite a few. And it's great, though. I mean, we, we have such a great relationship with some of the other charities that are around. And it helps us, too, because when we get a phone call, you know, of somebody who needs to place a horse and if we're full or we're unable to take them, I can always reach out to this amazing network of, you know, OTTB lovers in Southern Mm -hmm. California that I can just reach out to them and say, Hey, if anybody can help, this horse needs a home. And, you know, it just goes through their network and so on. And pretty soon everybody's, you know, on board because the most important thing are these horses and um, we're all working towards that. So even though there is sort of competition as far as grants, we really, there's a really great bond with these charities of we're all in it just for the, the horse. And if yeah. we can help each other, that's what we're here for. Okay. Those people listening then that might be, you know, board directors on more than one board might be helpful too. One of the things I wanted to ask you too, because I really see a shift happening in the equestrian world is how much groundwork versus how much in the saddle is important to these OTTBs? I really love to do groundwork when they first arrive. Some of these horses come, we had one come in the other day that literally ran a race two days prior. So she was race ready and came in. And I really enjoy doing groundwork with them because I feel like it lays down this communication of not only trust, you, you know, you can trust me. I'm going to trust you. This is how I communicate. This is how you communicate. This is our bond that we're creating. So that then when I get up in the saddle, we've already established so much between us that it's just like another step. It's almost like these horses are saying, well, go on, get up already. Like, what are you waiting for? I'm, I'm ready to go. Like, let's do this next step. Um, but I always am very careful and I always listen to the horse. So if the horse wants more time, you know, if they just want some relaxation time to just be a horse, they can have it. So I always never want to push them or rush them. They get to decide and they tell me, you know, what the next step is. So I really want their input. And even though I'm the boss and I'm 
in charge. I, I do listen and I do want to create this bond because when a horse is excited to come to work in the morning, I mean, there's no stopping that horse. Like you, the sky's the limit as far as what you can do in training with that horse. Mm -hmm. And so I, that's what I really want to get out of these horses is that they, they see me or they see Elizabeth and they're excited to come out and work with us that day. Mm -hmm. Great. And Elizabeth? Yeah. I mean, I would echo all of that. And what CJ said about communication is so, um, so spot on. And, and, you know, a lot of the things that we do at Wind Place Home um, already uh, line up exactly what we're going to do on their back in terms of the cues that we're asking and, and the style of communication that we're going to use. And one of the things CJ talks about a lot is that we're teaching these horses how to relax. We're teaching them that work doesn't always mean a high-stress, high-speed situation. Mm -hmm. um, we've had several of our horses, you know, then become like amazing Western pleasure horses or trail horses. Um, and I think it starts with that foundation. And so that's, you know, that's what I think has made me even more excited about what I'm learning here at Flag is Up Farms um, because it's, 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 deepening that communication and, you know, using their language um, to communicate rather than trying to, um, you know, mm -hmm. teach them something entirely, entirely new language. Mm -hmm. um, it just, again, it, for me, what I've witnessed here and what I witness at One Place Home is a continued, you know, de-escalation of stress for mm -hmm. both the horse and the handler. You know, it, if I'm clear about what I'm asking and how to ask it, it becomes a lot less stressful of the situation for me too. And then everybody's happier. And like CJ said, then they're really excited to come out to work and they mm -hmm. see us in the morning and they're calling to us. And, um, and that part of it is really, um, really gratifying. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I believe that performance actually goes up, which is probably the opposite yes. of what some people haven't figured out yet. Yeah. So that's great. Yeah. Love that philosophy. That's something your, your father talks about that a lot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's actually happening too in a lot of different industries too. He, he spoke of that the other day, didn't he? In the classroom about mm -hmm. the National Rain Cow Horse Association has really changed their judging to encourage a relaxed horse instead of a hyped up horse too, and the ways that that manifests in their discipline. But but I'm I'm got, I couldn't get through this topic without bringing up you know horse racing and all that too. But I thought. CJ, I, I think it was Elizabeth who may have written this article, and I pulled some really good stuff out of it. Uh, for CJ, I'd love to ask about this Madeline Arbach quote that says, you can't ban racing. That would be harmful for the horses. Do you want to elaborate on that a little bit? I agree. Yeah, I, I, feel, I feel pretty strongly about that. Um, there's so many horses and and there's so many horses that love that actually do love to race and you know i've being um on the track and being on the back of a galloping horse and another horse comes alongside him and my horse is like come on i'll i'll, I'll beat you don't you can't pass me you know there's a lot of excitement and a lot of um passion for what they do and yet yeah, not all horses love to race and you know what those horses they're slow and they get sent to us and then we have lovely retired slow race horses yeah <laughs> um but yeah if we went ahead and banned racing i mean we would be just 
where are all these horses going? Right now, there's still a shortage of homes for these horses that are retiring on a daily basis. And even though there are a bunch of charities like ours, there's still not enough room. There's still not not enough money to care for them. Horses are expensive and they live a lot longer than their racing career. So just saying let's ban all of racing, uh, you know, it would be a big detriment to these horses and, you know, it would be really hard to find all these horses safe spaces to be and, you know, and to deny them of what they actually love doing. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it can be harmful, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, I agree. And Elizabeth, I know in writing the article that you did, you were intelligent about why you said that uh, that would condemn a lot of horses to probably a worse fate than whatever they're dealing with right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's for a couple of reasons. One, um, you know, if we talk about a ban on racing, you know, um, it wouldn't, it wouldn't shut down racing entirely. It would just mean that racing would go underground. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've seen that with dog fighting. We've seen that with, um, with cock fighting as well in the United States and a lot in California. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's still unregulated um, racing going on, uh, you know, here and there. That's just, it's a little bit more difficult to find. So at least, you know, at, um, at these tracks, we can, we can regulate and we can watch these horses. And at Santa Anita now there are, um, you know, regulatory vets that don't work for any particular trainer, but are just there to make sure that everyone's, you know, following um, the safety regulations and the drug regulations and all that. So we can actually keep these horses a lot safer um, than we would otherwise if we, if we didn't have access to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and, and beyond that, uh, you know, while uh, the slaughter of horses is illegal in the United States, it's not in Canada nor in Mexico. Mm-hmm. And so some of these horses, unfortunately, uh, can slip through the cracks and just yeah, find, find their way there instead, mm-hmm. which is what we never, we never want. Yeah, I think it's a, it's almost a lazy way of looking at a problem is just to say ban it because there are so many yeah. repercussions that people don't mm. plot out. But if you uh, say better rather than ban, I think then mm-hmm. we go we go in a good direction. And I think that's everybody w- is asking for that. And that's what everybody is wanting anymore anyway. So thank you guys. Thanks for sharing what you do there at Win Place Home. And thank you for sharing some of your time. I hope people will go to your website. What are your contacts there, CJ? How do people get a hold of you? They can get a hold of me either through the website. There's a contact page there. They can email me directly at um, cj at winplacehome.org, and um, I will get back to everybody as soon as possible. Thank you. So it's cj, just the initials, at winplacehome.org, and um, go there and go shopping. There are beautiful horses to be had, and they've got wonderful training from people like CJ and Elizabeth. Thanks for, for joining us on Horsemanship Radio. Hope you had fun. I did. Hi, I'm Molly Roberts. And I'm coming to you now to talk about the Monty Roberts Online University. You know, there ought to be six months in everybody's life where they just live with their animals. I've been staying home. But three months now, I've been home with this virus thing. And the things I'm learning, we're bringing you a new series. What horses see, how horses see, and about horses seeing things. The Online University is bringing you the last three years of my learning process, which I promise you, 
is the learningest years I ever spent. The Monty Roberts Online University. Uh, you won't miss a minute of it if you get started on it. I love bringing it to you, and it's my shot to take my concepts to the next generation. Juliet Getty is an independent equine nutritionist offering nutrition services for all stages and integrative support for disorders and diseases. Her research-based approach optimizes equine health by aligning physiology and instincts with correct feeding and nutrition practices. Dr. Getty's goal is to empower the horse person with the knowledge to provide the best nutrition for his or her horse's needs. Dr. Getty is the author of the comprehensive resource, Feed Your Horse Like a Horse, as well as seven topic-centered spotlights on equine nutrition, a series of booklets. She also offers an informative e-newsletter, Forage for Thought. Her website, GettyEquineNutrition.com, provides a world of useful information for the horse person. Well, welcome back, Juliet Getty. How are you? Doing very well, Debbie. Thank you so much for having me. And I appreciate uh, all that you've been doing over the past few months with helping other horses and keeping healthy in the in the long run. So this is quite an interesting time that we're living in. You suggested a great topic. I think people are always concerned, and here we're going into training season now too, about a horse's top line yes. and the nutritional approach. I'd love to hear about that. Well, it's a question that I get an awful lot, Debbie. Um you know, people will send me photos of their horses and more times than not, the older horses have a reduced top line, but sometimes you'll see it in younger horses that are just not uh, fed well. And so it's uh, something that I work on quite a bit with my clients. So I thought it might be an interesting topic. Right. Because we're always trying to get it right for our horse between exercise and diet. We kind of tend to do the same thing over and over and over again. So. Mm-hmm. How do we approach that from the nutritional side then? Well, we need to we need to look at a couple of things. Um, first of all, I've, and I mentioned I've talked about this over and over again because it seems to apply in just about everything I do, and that is the importance of a steady flow of forage through the digestive tract at all times. So sure. if forage is restricted, it's usually done because the horse might be overweight. And when you do that, um, the horse will lose weight, but not what you want him to lose. In fact, mm-hmm. there's been studies on this where the horses are, um, you know, the, the horse will be, um, the vet will tell the horse, the, excuse me, the vet will tell the horse owner that the horse needs to go on a diet and you need to feed one and a half, maybe even less percent of body weight in forage. And, um, the horse owner reluctantly does that, and lo and behold, the horse loses weight. But if you evaluate the body um, composition as a mm-hmm. result of that weight loss, you'll see that it's mainly due to the reduction of the muscle that runs along the top line, the um, longissimus dorsi muscle. Glad um, you said that. Thank you. Yeah, and yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a mouthful, longissimus <laughs> dorsi muscle, and. Um, that muscle loses, it's a l- very large muscle and it loses a lot of mass. And naturally, the horse appears to be thinner, but um, it's not healthier, obviously. Mm-hmm. And it does affect 
the um, the smoothness of the top line. So that's the first thing. If you want your horse to lose weight, you know you can you can restrict calories in a lot of ways, but never 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 restrict forage since that's the most important thing and um i have a lot of articles on this subject i write about it all the time so my resource library on my website has Mm -hmm. a lot of materials if anyone wants to delve further we also have to look at the quality of the diet and muscles are made of protein Uh, Most of the protein stored in the body is in the muscles. Of course, there are literally hundreds of proteins throughout the body, everything from vital organs to hair and hooves and joints and and bone and eyes. And then you've got uh, antibodies and digestive enzymes and the list goes on and on. Mm -hmm. And so that means that if the horse is not getting quality protein in the diet, these things can suffer including the topic for today, the musculature of the horse. Um, So the musculature of the horse is dependent upon having an appropriate proportion of essential amino acids. Amino acids basically are building blocks of protein. And so the cells in the horse's body takes these building blocks and puts them together in very specific order to make all the proteins in the body, but particularly the uh, the muscles in the back, um, since we're concerned about that. Mm-hmm. And if the horse doesn't get all 10 essential amino acids in the proper proportion, then muscle will not be made. In fact, the horse will use what it has in order of priority, priority being, of course, to stay alive. So any amino acids that are available will be used to to feed uh, vital organs, you know, heart, liver, lungs, uh, kidneys, but muscle is not uh, needed for survival <clears throat> or to stay alive. So that will definitely suffer. Mm-hmm. And so we have to watch the protein, not only the level, but the quality of the protein in the diet. Okay. And, and how would the average horse owner know that they're watching the quality of the protein in the diet? Well, that's very much like our own diets. It has to do with variety. Mm. So if you eat um, the same thing, the, say you have an egg every day, but you okay. don't eat anything else but eggs, mm. um, eggs are very good and pro- high in quality protein, but you still need other sources of, of amino acids. So sure. you have to have some protein variety. But with a horse, since horses don't eat eggs, Horses rely on plants, and those are not of high-quality protein. So if your hay says, oh, maybe it has 10% crude protein, that might be adequate in terms of the numbers. The, mm-hmm. the, in other words, the quantity mm-hmm. of protein might be sufficient. But because it's coming from a grass or a plant, it's not going to be sufficiently high in the essential amino acids in the right proportion. So how do you know what to do? You add variety by adding other things that contain protein to the horse's diet. And I have a whole list of recommendations that I like. Okay, let's get, yeah, some top ones for sure, yeah. Okay, let's get to that. Well, my favorite is hemp, hemp seeds. Right. Yeah. Um, 
you know, most of the protein that's in horses' diets, like commercial feeds, uh, contain soy as the main protein source. And soy is actually pretty decent in terms of protein quality. Unfortunately, 99% of it is grown in the U.S. that is um, genetically modified to withstand being sprayed with Roundup. So if you don't want your horse eating glyphosate, which is not a good thing for his body overall, Mm -hmm. then you can choose either an organic soybean meal, which is hard to find, or you can go with hemp seeds. Hemp seed um, protein isolate, wonderful if your horse doesn't, you don't want your horse to gain any weight, but you want to provide some protein variety. And then there's other sources of protein that can serve multiple purposes. Like, for example, all horses need to have a source of omega-3, the essential fatty acid that's an omega-3 called alpha-linolenic acid. That has to be in the diet on a daily basis. This is really critical um, because it's involved in so many aspects of the horse's health. Mm -hmm. And so one way to add that is to provide uh, ground flax, Um, or chia seeds, and both of these are also a good source of protein. You see what you're doing by mixing and offering variety to the horse's diet. You're, You're providing extra amino acids so that when the horse digests the protein that's in the hay and digests the protein that maybe is in the hemp or the flax or chia, then you have an amino acid pool, a group of amino acids that that flood the bloodstream and go to the cells and the cells can pick and choose what they need. So it's like having the stock, the shelves just stocked full when you go to the grocery store and you have all this variety to choose from. But if you don't have variety, then many of those amino acids that are in the hay, for example, cannot be utilized to make protein. And so they end up getting destroyed and they get uh, burned for energy and they can actually make your horse fat. If you're Mm. providing too much uh, poor quality protein, you're providing calories for that horse, which may not be your goal. So um, getting back to my list... And then there's uh, split peas. This is a very popular one, really? whether they be split peas or pea protein isolate. Yeah. Um, the peas uh, offer, they're high in protein and they are very palatable. And so with split peas, you probably want to add some water to so- soften them. But I've always found that horses enjoy their crunchy texture. So um, that's kind of fun. those are good choices. Yes, I do work with folks in um, Australia occasionally. And I have found that in Australia, the um, uh, legume of choice is called lupins, L-U-P-I-N-S. And those are very similar to our uh peas used to so have a little sweet in there too sweet and crunch for those horses that like texture like me yeah (laughs) they do and they really do like that and then of course there's um oh pumpkin seeds and black oil sunflower seeds but i will caution you about those two they're high in protein but they're also very very high in omega-6 fatty acids 
and too many omega-6s without enough omega-3s Three. can cause inflammation. Right. So if you feed those, make sure that you're also feeding things that are high in omega-3s like the chia and the flax. Good. Yeah, good. People should go back and do a search on horsemanshipradio.com for all of Juliet Getty's interviews too, because so much of this knowledge you've compounded for me too. And I now I can revert back and remember some of those things, but not all of them. So um, <laughs> if anybody has listened to Juliet Getty for the first time here today, then you might want to go back and listen to the reference because not only is your website really good, but it's it's good to remember how these things all work together. You, you said something in an email to me that um, about the aging horse. You said that uh, yes. uh, most horse, own, horse owners expect a reduced top line as the horse ages, but it doesn't have to be the case. Is that all related to this good protein? It uh, Well, yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. The protein has to be um, varied for the aging horse as much as it does for the younger horse. But a reduced top line is not um, a sentence that a horse has to experience when the horse gets older. You know, if you look around you, you'll see people that are in their eighties and some are very, very frail and others, mm-hmm. um, are in pretty good shape. And right. so obviously then it's not a factor of age. Of course, genetics plays a big role in, as it does with anything. But if you take care of your horse, um, as he ages, you'll find that he'll age better. Uh, one thing that is uh, important to know is that um, uh, horses production of uh, saliva and digestive enzymes diminish with mm-hmm. age. Okay. So they, so they may not digest the protein, protein as well. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the biggest culprits though is reducing the acid in the stomach because acid is absolutely necessary mm-hmm absolutely necessary for protein digestion. So if you are giving your horse an antacid, like something that contains um, calcium carbonate, or if you are giving your horse uh, a meprazole, you are turning off the acid in the stomach and that horse will not digest protein. My goodness, there is a huge statement right there because how many people hopefully are helping their horse, they think they're helping their horse by uh, putting the Gastrogard, there's a there's a brand name right. in there or something, but it, it actually reduces then their ability to digest that protein. Yes. And uh, Gastrogard, UltraGuard, these are medications to be used for short-term and short-term only. Yeah, If you give them just because you want to prevent some you know, problem down the road, that's not going to help. If you're giving your horse butte, you don't give um, a meprazole. You, do, you treat it another way. And we talked about ulcers and so forth. But that's another factor. And it can be related to aging because as horses get older, um, their their stress level might go up a little bit. They may not recover as well from traveling and so forth. And so we tend to use medications more. So I wanted to bring up that one. Um, And uh, getting back to the the saliva and digestive enzymes, um, it's good to add a good uh, pre and probiotic that contains some digestive enzymes for older horses. So that helps them digest their the, the nutrients in their feed, not just protein, yeah. but carbohydrates and fats as well. 
That's great. And and you're helping too the diseases that can come with age too, say a Cushing's disease or something. Yes. Which people assume leads to muscle loss. Well, it does. Um, cortisol uh, is elevated in Cushing's and it is what we call a catabolic hormone, mm. meaning that it degrades muscle tissue um, as opposed to an anabolic hormone that builds muscle. Mm-hmm. And so uh, cortisol is, is catabolic, and so it does break down muscle. This is really as a uh, due to a cascade of events where the cortisol causes uh, a level of insulin resistance and glucose doesn't get into the cells. And if it doesn't get into the tissues, then the body has to get glucose from somewhere. And muscle is probably the best way and the most economical way for the horse uh, to derive glucose. So it'll break down the amino acids in its own muscle tissue to get glucose, which is a necessary energy source for the nervous system. Mm -hmm. So that's why you see it um, with Cushing's disease. Mm -hmm. And the best way to counteract that um, would be to make sure that the horse is getting adequate levels of essential amino acids to begin with. Yeah. That's very important. So if the good. horse needs medication, I'm not one to, to suggest medication as a rule, but if if the horse has Cushing's to the degree that it cannot be managed with a low sugar, low starch diet, then sometimes percent is is necessary, and that will slow down the um, the reduction of muscle mass as well. Perfect. You know what the best news is here? I mean, because aren't we worry warts? Us horse yeah. owners are worry warts. <laughs> we're always worried we're going to do something wrong or we're doing something wrong. We don't even know it. But the best news in this whole thing is that there are things that we are able to do. We're able to help our horse through the aging process. And we're able to not only diet, but exercise. Not only is exercise important for building muscle, but um, movement in general is very important for the blood to circulate properly. It's also um, very stressful for a horse to stand in, in a small location for a long period of time. And what is stress? Stress is, uh, results in cortisol. Cortisol raises insulin. And then you have um, a risk of uh, insulin resistance, laminitis, and of course, the uh, glucose production from the muscle. So the muscle cells can lose um, uh, content as well. So all of these things interact and they overlap each other. So I can't really talk about one topic without bringing right. in others, you know? That's true, but that's okay. That's a holistic yeah. course <laughs> happening right here. We got a holistic course episode. <laughs> so, no, I think this is all really valuable. And it's things that people wring their hands over. And I think we're, we're coming up with the same answers over and over again. But that's the message is that there are answers, I think. And I appreciate you, Dr. Getty, keeping our, our hands held and our horses healthy. There we go. Thank you so much for that. Yeah, we look forward to seeing you again. We're going to have answers for people, too, coming up. Uh, we have Dr. Getty on just about quarterly now, I think. And, and you know, and in between there, we're talking about ways to get your horse out of the stall, even in small areas. So stay tuned. We're going to have more episodes to help you come up with those answers for people who are going like, but I can't, my, my equestrian center doesn't allow me to do X, Y, Z. That's okay. We'll come up with answers for everybody. Whisper the language of the herd. 
Listen, you don't have to say Well, Debbie, as you mentioned earlier, training season is fast approaching and many of us are getting back into the saddle in earnest. So let's change up our training tip this time with a top 10 list from Lindsay White, who is the founder of Riders for Helmets. The magic in the language of the herd. Welcome back, Lindsay White. Thanks for agreeing to come on with your trainer's tip for us today. What do you have up your sleeve? Well, I would like to share with you some thoughts um, that are 10 important messages with regards to safety that riders should remember on a daily basis. Perfect. Ready to uh, go? So firstly, uh, if you have a hard impact blow while wearing your helmet, you've got to definitely think about replacing it with a new one. Um, you okay. can't always tell, unfortunately, when there's damage to the helmet, and it may not be visible to the naked eye. And if you consequently continue to wear that helmet and it did have an internal crack in it and then you fall off again, you can be in really big trouble uh, if you land on your head because it will not provide the same level of protection that a new helmet would. So you really need to put replacing the helmet um, above, uh, you know, not simply because it's a lot easier to replace a helmet than it is to have a traumatic brain injury. Okay. Good. Wouldn't have done that. Right. Then something else to think about. Um, Helmet manufacturers uh, generally recommend replacing your helmet every four to five years, Uh, not only because helmets take a beating from, you know, the elements, sweat, heat, dust, rain, etc. But most people don't realize that the styrofoam in the helmet relinquishes its protection to uh, ability to protect the head over time. And it actually can uh, degrade Mm-hmm. Um, so you you really should, at the very least, replace your helmet every four to five years. Now, that being said, if you wear your helmet, you know, every single day, it may re- need replacing sooner, and you'll pretty much know because you'll see start to see, you know, the the, the thickness of the the liner, um, mm-hmm. you know, deteriorate. So it may very well be that you have to replace it before that, but at a minimum, every four to five years. Okay. All right. That does make sense. You do kind of see that styrofoam yep. get, get kind of um, squishy. Yeah. Um, another one is thinking about the hairstyle that you have when you ride. Um, because if you normally wear your hair in a ponytail, that can actually affect the fit of your helmet. So mm-hmm. when you try on a helmet, it's very, very important mm-hmm. to wear your hair in the style that you would when you're riding. And okay. not many people realize that one or, or pay attention to that one. You can't go into a tack shop and buy a new helmet with your hair down. But then when you ride, you always wear it in a ponytail because that will just affect the fit. So you should always, does, always, huh? yeah. yep, always try it on with the, the hairstyle that you would have. Okay. So bald guys got yeah. it made. They don't have to worry about anything. All right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you purchase your helmet online, don't forget to check the date of manufacture. Um, that being said, purchasing a used helmet can be incredibly risky, and we never oh. recommend that um, for the reason, you know, the helmet have had, may have had damage that you just cannot see and sustain previous damage that's not visible. So um, you do need to always buy a new helmet, but just check the date of manufacture to make it sure it's not an old helmet to begin with. Okay. Um, there's no statistical correlation between skill level and injury likelihood. Um, as mm. Courtney King Dye would tell you, as being an Olympian, uh, mm. professional riders are just as likely to sustain an injury 
um, due to a fall as less frequent riders. So it's it's not about how how skilled you are as a rider. Very good. Yeah, it's true. Um, even a fall from a standing horse can be catastrophic. Um, injury risk depends on the height from which you fall as well as the speed at which you're traveling. Mm. So, you know, there is there are examples where people have been at a walk um, and they've sustained serious damage. Obviously, that risk increases with the speed and, and mm-hmm. the, the size of the horse. But you can have an accident as well, and it's important to wear safety gear, um, even if you're just walking around a ring, because it can it can happen to you at any time. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Uh, head injuries are cumulative. An original head injury can be made much worse by additional concussions, and there's something called second impact syndrome. And you should never, ever get back on a horse until you've been cleared to ride by a doctor or an expert, uh, usually a neurosurgeon or neurologist, uh, because what they don't want to happen is you're still suffering, your brain's still suffering the effects of the first concussion, and then you have, unfortunate enough, to have another fall, and that can literally finish you off. It can be, it can be a killer, literally kill somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's very, very important not to get back in the saddle until you've been cleared to ride. Makes good sense. So even even if you're wearing a helmet, but if you're not cleared, yeah. don't do it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, riding's more dangerous than downhill skiing and motorcycling. Actually, really? out of all of the yeah, out of all of the recreational sports, uh, riding is actually the one where you are most likely to suffer a head injury. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, you can obviously greatly lessen your risk by wearing a helmet, by when you're jumping, by wearing things, something like a body protector or, or vest, you know, so taking sensible precautions mm-hmm. and reducing your risk by doing things, um, you know, to, to make yourself self, self safer when you ride. Right, yeah, good. Uh, around 20% of all accidents which result in head injuries happen while the person's on the ground. Um, oh. So, you know, you can get kicked in the head, obviously, when you're picking out your horse's back feet. You can go into a field and the horses can suddenly be spooked by something and, you know, trample you. So uh, a lot of people take the precaution that, you know, once they get in the barn, they've got a helmet on the head, especially with children. I think that's very, very right. important where they can walk behind horses that are maybe a bit green and would be tendent to kick. Mm-hmm. Um, quite important, especially for child's going out in a paddock, to have them wear a helmet when they're catching a horse or a pony. Um, and any time, you know, they're around them where they can have that he- helmet on their head, it's it's a really good idea to do it. That's a great tip. Yeah, that's so true. So true. Um, yeah. It's best if you invest in your own helmet, whether or not you you own a horse. Now, that being said, we appreciate there'll be people out there that perhaps have riding stables or training and they do provide the kids with helmets because they can't afford their own and obviously that's better than not wearing a helmet. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, your helmet is designed to fit your head mm-hmm. and an incorrectly fitting helmet actually offers very little to no protection. It's also very, very important as well as having a correctly fitting helmet, you must have the harness properly fastened mm-hmm. or the chin strap. If it's not snug, the helmet can rotate if you have a fall and actually not protect your head to its fullest intention. Um, so right. it's really important. Don't just put the helmet on your head and think, great, you know. Good enough. Go. Huh? Yeah, yeah. You, it's really, really important that that harness... So if, you, if you're off to a dude ranch, maybe you can bring your own if, you've ha- if you have yeah. your own because it's already adjusted. Yeah, good. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So if you're going riding somewhere, take 
take your helmet, your own helmet with you. It's far better to wear your own than borrowing someone if you have the, uh, you know, if you do have your own helmet. Mm-hmm. Good. Okay. Yeah. So that's pretty much yeah. just. Um, those are good. Yeah, those yeah, are great tips. Yeah. Good. Good on you. We got the right person for that job. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you, Lindsay White, for your trainer's tip this week. For more of these insights into good horsemanship, go to MontyRoberts.com and click on the words Ask Monty at the bottom of the page. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Where in the world is Monty Roberts? Monty is looking forward to meeting some new friends, two-legged and four-legged. And in March, we have a Horses in Healing. We just finished that up, but we have one six times a year now. That was March 5 to 7. And then 12 to 14, we have an Introductory Course Module 1 starting. First Steps to Monty's Methods. And then 15 to 26, an Introductory Course of Horsemanship. That is the two-week course. Then on the 20th, we have a Horsemanship 101. That's Monty's foundational ideas all in one day. It's a lot of fun. And then April, advance notice, we've got April 1 to 3, Intro Course Module 2, the Join-Up Course. And the 4 to 6, April 4 to 6, we've got the Intro Course Module Module 3, which is all about the long lining. And then in May, advance warning, we've got on the 3rd of May, Horsemanship 101. And for details about that calendar, because you could not commit all of it to memory, because there's a ton of stuff there, you you can just go to (laughs) MontyRoberts.com. Or you can give the fine folks at Flag is Up Farms a call at 805-688-6200. Eight, eight. And if you couldn't commit that telephone number to memory because you're not good with numbers like me, you can go to MontyRoberts.com and you'll find the phone number too. Easier. <laughs> <laughs> and for details about today's show, it's episode 179, by the way. You can go to HorsemanshipRadio.com where you can find links to today's guests and pictures and more information about the topics. And you're going to find all 179 episodes there because there's a whole pile to go through and they're all great. So if you're a new listener, go back and listen to the rest of them. It's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. And as always, we love your feedback. And to do that, you can follow Monty Roberts on social media. He's on Facebook, Monty Roberts with a little blue check mark. He's also on Twitter and on Instagram because he's a modern modern guy. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's Monty <laughs> underscore Roberts on both places. And go get the app if you haven't done so already. Go to your app store for your iPhone or your Android and just search Horse Radio Network. It's a free app and you can use it all the time. You can also listen to all of the podcasts on the Horse Radio Network, including Horsemanship Radio, on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher. Very good. And many thanks to our sponsors, too, who know that Monty doesn't use computers, but he embraces the technology. It's good. It's really good. He really is very progressively thinking that way, too. Our sponsors are Hands On Gloves. We love those. And it's shedding season. season. (laughs) And then we also have Monty Roberts University, which is our do-all, be-all of education. Be sure to visit all the other great shows, too, on Horse Radio Network at www.horseradionetwork.com Until next time, have many happy horse hours. 